Hey guys, G-Man here. Thank you so much for downloading this week's episode of The Bullpen Cart. It was just me tonight as Matty D could not read a calendar and ended up at his men's league hockey game. But I nonetheless recapped this past week of baseball, did a little NBA and NHL draft talk as well as the NHL expansion draft, and uh, also do a stadium snacks review that I had myself. We'll uh, cover who it was and where it was in the show. But as always, please go check out the blog, thunderblogsports.com. Let me know what you think of the nightly roundup, my new series, where I recap the day that was in sports. Go like us on Facebook and Instagram. That's thunderblogsports is the username. And follow us on Twitter, ThunderBLG. But, of course, enjoy this week's episode. Thanks again, guys. Welcome to this week's episode of The Bullpen Cart. I, of course, am Jordy Cannell, the G-Man. And I am by myself this week. Matty D cannot read a calendar and uh, didn't realize he had a men's league hockey game tonight. And Greg has fallen off the face of the earth. He wasn't answering any of my texts about... uh, Doing a podcast tonight as well as meeting up when I was in the uh, wonderful Commonwealth of Massachusetts. we uh, get a little more on that later. But been a good week. Was up in New Hampshire for my cousin's wedding. Shout out to him. Congrats again. Although I know you're already on your honeymoon at this point. But uh, yeah, a lot to unpack here in the week that was for baseball. Going to do a little recap of uh, the hockey. The Not really on the awards. Uh, a lot of those were pretty obvious. But the expansion draft as Matt and I previewed it last week, as well as the actual draft itself. Same thing with the NBA draft. Uh, th- that'll be pretty quick. The NBA awards are going on right now. Um, walked out of the room after Malcolm Brogdon won Rookie of the Year. But more on that, we'll get right into baseball. This week was uh, pretty good in terms of what we got. We're starting to get into that point where the teams that have been good are starting to pull themselves a little further away than the uh, the rest of the pack. Others are still kind of corralling around where they have been. Uh, and those, some of those bad teams are really uh, proving that they're not so good. But we'll start right away with my hot team. And that's going to be the L.A. Dodgers. Pretty chalk pick, but uh, got to give credit where it's due. Ten straight wins in a row. They're uh, now at one of the best run differentials in baseball, the best actually, at plus 138. The uh, the Dodgers are really starting to find their groove both offensively as well as with that dominant pitching staff that we've seen, and uh, they're really starting to get it going. And, and like we had been talking about up until this point, once this happened, it would spell doom for the rest of the division. Um, could have given a, or should give rather, an honorable mention to the Arizona Diamondbacks, who were eight and two in their last ten games. Um, they just won three in a row from the Phillies, including today. Uh, so, I mean, they're also still there. They're only two games back. The Rockies are four and a half out, and uh, we're going to start seeing some interesting battles. The Giants really have kind of played themselves out. They're not my cold team, but they have lost five straight. And are one and nine over their last ten. So I mean, really, it seems like the loss of, of Bumgarner didn't help them. Uh, but that is my hot team of the week, the L.A. Dodgers. My cold team of the week, 
is not the one and nine in their last ten games, losers to five straight Giants, but it's going to be the Yankees. Uh, two and eight in their last ten. They're still doing pretty well. They have a, a plus ninety five run differential. But they've had this long, long road trip they've been on that has not gone well. And they're still tied with the Red Sox for the lead in the American League East. The Red Sox are uh, below 500 in their last 10 games as well. But the Red Sox are certainly trending upward, and the Yankees are not downward, but kind of flattening out. I think they can still continue to keep it going. Uh, they just need to get home. They need to shake that that terrible road trip that they've been having. They've now fallen to below 500, 16 and 20 on the road. They're currently winning right now against the White Sox in the sixth inning, but uh, we'll we'll see how that all goes. But the Yankees are my cold team uh, for the top cold spot. Like I said, honorable mention could be the San Francisco Giants. Could also be the Phillies. Could also be the Reds, who have really really fallen off since. Uh, Having that great beginning of the season, they've now fallen to last place in the NL Central, uh, 31 and 44. They, uh, you didn't think it would be sustainable to have that that uh, great of a start as they did, but they've now fallen to where a lot of people, myself included, would have thought they'd be there. But let's move right into player awards. We will start with the Roy Hobbs MVP of the week, and for me. That is going to be Ian Happ of the Chicago Cubs, the uh, Cubs rookie. So a little shout-out to him there. But Happ had, had himself a great week. Two homers, six runs batted in. Struck out a little more than you would have hoped at nine, but batted 407 with uh like I said, the two homers, a couple doubles as well. So he had a slugging percentage of over seven. 100 and a uh, 429 on base percentage. But uh, yeah, Hap had a great week. Ender Inciarte has been coming on as well for the Atlanta Braves. Scooter Jeanette had another great week, three homers for him. Um, but the Cubs are, are starting to really move it along. They've uh, started to recoup some of that, that deficit in the NL Central, now only a game and a half out of the Brewers. So they're starting slowly but surely to be where we thought the Cubs would be. They're currently up 2-0 on the Washington Nationals out in in Washington at Nats Park. Uh, but the Cubs, a big thing for me, they've started to see that run differential go green and expand out to uh, you know the, the greater lengths. It's only tw- plus 24 now, but it had been in the red for a while. That's something that I really find is a big indicator for where a team's going. The fact that there it, theirs is... Uh, 11 better than the Brewers, the fact that they've scored less runs but have allowed less runs, which is surprising considering how some of their pitchers, most notably Jake Arrieta, have been doing. Uh, but that road record's really got to be where the Cubs have got to fix it. They are one game above 500 overall, but they are five games below 500 away from Wrigley Field. You'd probably expect that to start to fix itself, but certainly something to be a cause for concern. The Brewers, as I mentioned before, game and a half up on the Cubs, are just actually a game under 500 at Miller Park, which is intriguing. But they're five games up on the road, so you, you kind of expect that road win, win percentage to go back up above 500, that home field advantage. But that road 
record is is certainly a good uh, case for them as well for where they're sitting. But kind of to to bring it back to the to the award itself, Ian Happ is my Roy Hobbs uh, MVP of the week. I won't double up on him, so uh, stick around for the Henry Roan Garner. But before we do that, got to give out the pitcher of the week, the Billy Chapel, and that's going to be a pretty obvious one. It's going to be Corey Kluber, who's starting to get back into those big strikeout numbers, guys. Two starts this past week. He threw 16 innings, had 24 strikeouts, and allowed zero runs. You can go on the no runs in two eight-inning starts. You could go the fact that he only allowed six hits and two walks for a .5 whip. But the big thing for me and the, the thing that Corey Kluber really made a name for himself, quote-unquote, onto the uh, mainstream was the strikeouts. And the fact that he had 24 in two starts, I mean, that's that's pure dominance. The, ne- the next closest is... Uh, a, in, in good company, in good company, I should say, not good, uh, <laughs> is my guy Clayton Kershaw, who only threw only quote unquote 18 strikeouts over 12 and a third innings, which is just as dominant uh, if you do the math. But uh, Kluber certainly leading the pack there. You could also give a quick shout out to R.A. Dickey, who. For the Braves, had 12 strikeouts in 14 innings. He's had an interesting go at it since he won the Cy Young with the Mets. Had a weird little bump and a couple bumps in the road when he was with the Blue Jays, and has been brought onto the Braves this year, sort of for that veteran presence. And you're seeing that, and it's nice to see him come back around. Of course, still in or back into the division with the Phillies, but. Dickey was somebody that's certainly fun to watch. Uh, knuckleball pitchers usually are, and certainly worth mentioning. Jeremy Helixson had himself a good week, but we'll come back to that with the Phillies. But there you have it. Corey Kluber, my Billy Chapel of the week. Moving on to the Henry Rowan Garner. Like I said, not going to give it to Ian Happ because he uh, he's my MVP of the week and don't want to double up. I'm going to give it to Corey Bellinger, who has already won this award once. He uh, maybe twice actually for the Dodgers outfielder has a hell of an arm. He killed the ball this week. Five homers, twelve ribbies, batted three seventy, had a slugging percentage of over a thousand. So his OPS is over fourteen hundred, fourteen thirty seven to be exact. And uh, Bellinger is a big catalyst in that offensive side for the Dodgers. And like I was saying, the bats are coming alive. The pitching's becoming dominant. The Dodgers are are sitting pretty right now in terms of the National League West. Other rookies worth mentioning. Aaron Judge only had three home runs last week and only batted 304. So, uh, I mean, maybe you got to worry. Maybe you don't. Hopefully you can pick up on my sarcasm. So, good week there. Dansby Swanson, worth noting, had uh, had himself a good little week. Went nine for twenty-seven. That's a batting average of three thirty-three. Had a couple ribbies. I mean, we, we've talked about that Braves team and how they've been they've been doing all right as of late. They are uh, in second place. They went seven and three in their last ten. So I mean, guys like this that are coming on are certainly helping out with that. But considering where the NL West is, and the fact that the Cubs are starting to come on, 
the the Braves, despite the fact that they're sitting in second place in what should have been a good National League East, they're uh, they're still nine games out of the Nationals. I, I think it's safe to say the Nationals are starting to pull themselves away. They're three games under 500. They have a minus 34 run differential, and you know it. Stuff would really need to start coming together for the Braves to make a charge at it. So. Props to them as a young team to uh, put themselves in this position. I would hope, or I would have hoped for the Phillies to be there, but we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, but good for the Braves. I mean, they're 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 coming along, and the freeze has certainly been something that everybody's been loving. The uh, the former track star that races from foul pole to foul pole against fans, um, but. You know, like I said, good for the Braves. It's certainly a good sign for the future. But moving on, little minor league talk. I don't have a uh, Crash Davis for you, but I do want to talk about something I mentioned before. Went on a little road trip to my cousin's wedding. And on the way back, stopped in Lowell, Massachusetts to visit my uh, girlfriend's cousin who works for the Lowell Spinners, the short season A affiliate of the Boston Red Sox. The, uh, It was fun. We got to go to the game, which was pretty cool. I'm going to put these pictures up on our Instagram. We'll probably put it up on uh, the companion post for this. Likely be – would probably be the uh, nightly roundup for today. For those unaware, started a new series for the blog, but I'll, I'll get back to that. But we stopped in Lowell and went down to the Spinner Stadium, and I do not have the name in front of me. But they share it with UMass Lowell, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, they have it's right on the river, so they are they have uh, the Canaligator as their mascot. But it, it was pretty awesome. Uh, cool minor league park, seats going all the way down the both the left and right field poles. The uh, right field poles actually curl in a little bit, so they face towards the plate, which I thought was pretty cool. We uh, got hooked up with a little suite right above home plate, so you got to look right onto the field. Uh, got to see some scouts right there, as well as guys that are in the spinners rotation who uh, they weren't pitching that day, so they were actually doing some charting for the team, which is cool to see. Um, but doing a little live stadium snacks for you. Going to do it a little early, the fan favorite segment. Got to actually do a review that I myself consumed. For those unaware... I love when uh, our listeners send in foods that they've had at a ballpark, whether it be just a hot dog or something a little more complex. And uh, we love to talk about it. So if you do have any, please send it off to us. I'll go over the social media stuff. But at the Spinners game last night, I had myself a hot dog, which was okay. It was a boiled hot dog, which I'm not a big fan of, a bigger fan of the grilled. But it didn't look like it was fully cooked. It actually ended up tasting all right, but... I wasn't sure when I first had it. I actually got to go back and, and make sure it was cooked because I was a little nervous. But it was it was all right. Um, the, the piece de resistance of what I bought was the soft pretzel, which was incredibly good for a ballpark soft pretzel. It looked like it was just the Super Pretzel brand, but actually it was a little bigger than that. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it was, it was incredibly good in terms of its softness and uh, – Certainly a good treat. Uh, my girlfriend had the chicken fingers, which she thoroughly enjoyed. We weren't big fans of the French fries. They, I think, got a little soggy, a little too quick. 
But they had a lot of other stuff too. They had burgers. They had some Italian sausages. Looks like they had some cheesesteaks. But I thought one thing I thought was interesting. Lowell's about it sounded like from uh, Emily's cousin. It's about a half an hour, forty five minutes from Boston itself. So like most of Massachusetts, they're crazy about their big four teams. But they had four different hot dog stands along the different points of the concourse. And they were named after each of the big four teams. There was a Patriot Grill, a Red Sox Grill, Bruins Grill, and a Celtics Grill, uh, which all served the same exact menu and I would assume were the exact same foods. And that's probably where I should have gotten my hot dog considering the name Grill. But um, I thought that was pretty cool. Cool little tie to uh, the parent organization. And I really enjoyed my time there. Big props to Brian. Uh, If you are listening, thank you again. Good times there. Uh, if you do ever get a chance to go to a minor league park, if you live in a town, uh, I highly suggest going or going to travel or if you're around one on a business or just vacation. They're a ton of fun. They do a lot of cool promotions and stuff to keep you entertained in between, it, between innings. Excuse me there. It was Bark in the Park night at uh, the Spinners last night, so there were a lot of dogs. There was a bat dog, which if you haven't seen any of these videos, I'm going to put one up. But it's a dog that, after the uh, the batter you know, puts their bat off when they've hit the ball, the, this dog comes sprinting out of the dugout, grabs the bat, and, and brings it back for the uh, the team, which I think was pretty cool. They had a police dog as well that, in between innings, he and his uh, human partner would show some obedience drills, which uh, was entertaining to see. Uh, really makes you remind you to not fuck around with uh canine units but um yeah so that was this week's minor league talk we'll probably dive into the new york pen league a little further on another episode but wanted to to let you guys know about that again big shout out to brian radel and uh thank you again for that but on to philly's talk it's been it's been a rough go guys uh Still holding the faith of what the team is doing in the long term. They've started to move some players around, most notably after designating for assignment both Michael Saunders and Jenmar Gomez. Yes, they released both of them. Saunders was a $9 million, basically hole in the wallet. Never really could produce for the team. Um, he had a couple, little, he had a little... Little run right at the beginning when uh, Howie Kendrick first got hurt, and it quickly went south. He uh, actually, in, in crazy coincidences, was making some spot starts at first base for Tommy Joseph. Tommy kind of took that to heart and really turned it around and has become a, uh, a staple on the team so far. Jenmar, longtime readers and listeners will know my uh, opinions on Jenmar Gomez, had been really hot basically through the All-Star break last year, and I, I thought... We need to trade this guy right away. I don't think he's going to stick around to this. We need to get as much value as we can. I was right. He immediately fell. Never could recover. Even when he was making a lot of the saves that he had at the beginning of last year, he was letting up a lot of runs doing it. Very similar to Brad Lidge in 2009 for the Phils. But uh, he quickly lost his closer role uh, this season. Hector Neres has been outstanding for the Phillies. For the most part, he actually did blow a save this week, but uh, much better than Jenmar. Jenmar would have just lost it then. But this week was, as I just mentioned, it was tough. There was a 
couple blown leads, uh, most notably the 5-0 lead to the Cardinals last week where they ultimately go down in extras, and there's the missed call on the base paths and, and a lot of chaos. The fact, though, that you can go to Arizona after losing, they're getting swept at home the previous weekend by a team, going and win on on a Friday night, I think is a pretty big deal. Um, they go on extras yesterday. They lose pretty bad on Saturday and as well as this afternoon. But, uh, I mean, it, there's some encouragement. I, I'm trying to put a positive spin on this. They're starting to move some players around. Mark Leiter had a fantastic debut for the Phils. Um, but they're, they're starting to move some players around and, and starting to figure th- some things out. Whether or not the bigger names are going to come up immediately, the bigger name prospects, I should say, that remains to be seen. Uh, Matt and I have talked about this a good amount. Greg's asked me a ton on episodes he's been on. I think some might have a role to play once you get a little closer to September. I think at this point where we are, uh, it's it's going to be tough to dig yourself out of this hole. I, I don't think they'll finish in last place. I think a few other teams have some more sliding to do, and it kind of seems like the Phillies are starting to put it together, but maybe not. I mean, they're they're probably going to finish in fourth, and that's what I had thought going into this. Um, it, and you'll start seeing the pitching come together. Jeremy Helkson, like I said, had a had a pretty decent week for himself. He uh, pitched in two games, thirteen innings, eleven Ks, uh, no wins for him though, which is unfortunate, but. Kind of uh, to be seen with a bullpen like the Phillies have. So it'll be interesting to see what, what goes on if there are any trades that do happen. I know uh, a few guys, most notably uh, Pat ne- Nish- Neshik, excuse me, and potentially uh, Joaquin Benoit are being thrown around in some trade names. So that could be something that we could see happening. Uh, but this week, the Phils, it's a pretty short week for them. They, make, they continue their West Coast swing. They go all the way up to Seattle, where they're going to face the Mariners to finish off their little four-game season series against the Mariners. They'll be playing on Tuesday, and Wednesday, Tuesday night, Wednesday afternoon. Nola on the mound against uh, James Paxton tomorrow and Mark Leiter, making a second start against the king himself, Felix Hernandez. And it'll be interesting to see how the Phils do. Um, they then fly to New York for their second series against the Mets. Haven't faced them in quite some time since the, or their third series, I should say. But it was the middle of April nonetheless. Noah Syndergaard was still healthy then and actually uh, got a loss against Aaron Nola. But... It'll be interesting to see how this goes. The Mets are a much different team than they were before uh, the last time these two teams played. They will then come home for the Pirates next week. As a quick uh, housekeeping note, not sure when next week's pod is going to come out. Considering that uh, the 4th of July is Tuesday, maybe try to do come back and do it Sunday night. Uh, but th- that'll remain to be seen. Matty D and I will talk that over. Uh, but they play the Pirates the all of next week during the week. Tuesday or Monday night is Game of Thrones night, and I'm uh, hoping to go to that. But uh, yeah, I mean that that'll do it for the Phillies talk here. Uh, gave you guys that stadium snack before. Um, some bleacher creatures. I've been seeing a lot of cool highlights from the College World Series. 
that's been a, a lot of fun to watch, actually, and a lot of fun to pay attention to. Um, no specific stories there, but uh, like anything college-related in a college sports environment, seeing that kind of stuff pop up and uh, the stories that you can see are pretty cool. A lot of them are on ESPN because they're covering it. But let's move on to, uh, to a different sport. We're going to go over to the NHL. We're going to talk about the expansion draft and the NHL draft itself. The expansion draft was interesting in terms of where players went. Some obvious, like Marc-Andre Fleury. Some that were a little more up in the air. thought the Belmar pick was from the Flyers was intriguing. There's some guys that were out of uh, that were up for grabs. That I thought would have gone. Matt and I talked about that pretty extensively last week, but it's uh they'll be interesting. They're not going to be great, but they'll be somewhat competitive in the bottom part of their division. They may not come in last. Is basically what I'm getting at. But the draft itself, and and mainly from the Flyers perspective is what I'll get at. Flyers got uh, Nolan Patrick with the number two pick, who I think is a great fit. He's great forward. He'll uh, and he'll do do some great stuff. He'll be an immediate top six guy for the team. They made some other picks that were interesting. Uh, they actually traded away Braden Shen to the St. Louis Blues, who had mentioned he was ca- caught off guard. I was too when that trade or that uh, news came across my phone on Friday night. Uh, sad to see him go. End up getting the, I believe, 17th pick for him. Um, and we'll see. We'll see how the Flyers do. They're, the young guys, it seems like, are, are going to start coming up. They've made some moves to get guys like Sam Warren up here. And it'll be... It'll be fun. I'm uh, really excited to, to start going a lot more next year as a season ticket holder. And I think the Flyers are in a good spot going forward. Um, the one thing I, I do think is interesting, they let both Neuverth and Mason be available in the expansion draft. And it was pretty obvious they weren't going to be taken. Maybe Neuverth as a good backup option. But it's pretty obvious that Stolarz is the future. Uh, I don't know if he'll be on the team to start the season. It depends on where they go. Sounds like Steve Mason isn't going to be coming back, so Stolarz might be the backup to start. But who knows? Um, One thing I thought was interesting as well, they released the Flyers' schedule. They uh, play the Golden Knights for the first time in Las Vegas on uh, on February 11th. Good excuse to go to Vegas. And I actually made this point to Matt when we were talking about it that regardless if you think that the, the Golden Knights are going to be a success or the Raiders will be a success in Las Vegas, the interesting thing is that at least on the out-of-town aspect that I'm already talking to my friends about making a trip to Las Vegas eight months from now. And, you know, I mean, that's that's your out-of-town revenue. It's the point of the team. I think you'll get a, a fan base, if you can have fan bases in Miami or Tampa or Phoenix for that matter, I think you can, Las Vegas might not be as dire as people are already writing it off to be. Mentioned awards, uh, a lot of love went towards Connor McDavid's way. He uh, had himself a nice little awards session in terms of <laughs> all of that. 
but it's it, it's great to see that uh, McJesus, as the Edmontonites call him, is starting to emerge as one of the best the league has to offer. It, the schedule itself looks pretty great, um, like I mentioned. But, I mean, hockey, it's 100 days, apparently. Just read this on Twitter until the next season starts. So we'll have some uh, some time to wait until the preseason and the season get away. And I'm looking forward to watching some baseball in that, in that time period. And then eventually a little football. But let's move to basketball. The NBA draft was last Thursday, and I think the Sixers killed it. Obviously taking Markel Fultz at number one. Huge, huge pick, and he fits in so well with that team. Uh, there's the whole thing about the Feds, Fultz, Embiid, Dario, and Simmons. If all those guys are healthy and it's anywhere near, which it will be, what it was last year, that team is going to be so much fun to watch. Guys that are you know bigger names in basketball media, Bill Simmons, guys like that, mentioned that they're, they were one of their favorite teams to watch, must-watch TV, and... If you went to a game or if you watched it on the couple of games that were on national TV, you could see this electric atmosphere in the Wells Fargo Center. And if you do get an opportunity to go next year, which is going to be rare, they already sold out their season ticket hole, or season ticket numbers rather. It's going to be a ton of fun. I highly suggest doing it. And be electric both on and off the court. Dario is a ton of fun to watch and should have won Rookie of the Year. Uh, I'll get to that in a second. Ben Simmons will probably be a great, great player for the Sixers. I haven't watched him play basketball in over a year, so I'm uh, (laughs) at a loss for words for him. But Fultz, man, he is going to be the truth. He's going to set up so many incredible plays for both JoJo, Dario, Robert Covington, who we're not even mentioning, but he uh, Covington's going to be incredible. Sixers should try to get him re-signed now before he really earns a um, mega contract. But they have the money to spend. I think the Sixers are in a great spot. A couple other picks that I liked. Uh, I really liked... Uh, well, I'll start with what I didn't like. I wasn't a big fan at the moment of the, uh, the Bulls trade. I still am not... Um, Butler, I know there's a lot of stuff going on with him, but it's unfortunate to see that, that he gets, tra- or at least for the Bulls, that he gets traded away. It's great for him that he goes back to Tom Thibodeau, and I think that that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Butler, Carl Anthony Towns, Andrew Wiggins, holy shit, is that going to be insane? I, um, I, yeah, I, I just think it's so uneven. The fact that picks were swapped and that all happens is nuts to me. Uh, but I guess to each their own, and, and the Bulls, you got to think they know what they're doing. Um, so that's a thing. <laughs> but uh, my fa- one of my favorite picks from the night might have been uh, Jonathan Isaac to the Orlando Magic. I think he just fits in so well with that team. Um, yeah, I mean, other things I thought were, were interesting – Lonzo Ball goes to the Lakers, and there's a lot of booing towards him. Uh, I thought the ESPN coverage was a little little spotty this year. Um, Wilbon, I, I love Michael Wilbon, and 
listen to PTI as often as I can or watch it. But there are times where he just gets a little too crotchety. And I don't mean to to really talk shit on him, but it, it I mean at times he just hated the Sixers and what they were doing in, in that entire span of four years. Really hated the process and did on Thursday night. But then when the Bulls trade Jimmy Butler, he's like, oh, it's great they're deciding to rebuild. It's great that this is happening. Like, I guess there's a difference between purposefully losing games and rebuilding and, and rebuilding by just getting some guys back. But I don't know. It, like, it, it felt a little too homerish. And this is somebody that talked about the Phillies in a very, very large context in an American League West preview podcast back in March. But, uh, I mean, I don't know. It, just, it didn't sit well with me that you talk all this shit on building, rebuilding a team in the most logical way possible to try to game this draft, which is what the Sixers did, and it was smart, and it's clearly worked out for them. But then when you do this mediocre trade for some, frankly, dudes that get hurt and one guy that stunk and a draft pick that isn't probably going to work out in Laurie Markkinen, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot to unpack there, and that can be explored in a, in a further podcast. But um, NBA awards, first of all, along with the NHL awards, why are these things? They don't make any sense. They're like the ESPYs. They're just weird things that are out there. And like I said, I walked away. I wanted to see who won Rookie of the Year. But it, it really, I had zero, zero appeal to watch it. I mean, I'm... I don't hate Drake, but I wasn't that wasn't pulling me in. And seeing awards that I could just read about after I record this podcast, whatever I would have been doing tonight otherwise if I didn't have this. I mean, it, it doesn't make any sense. It's always a shit show, and I, I don't know. It, it makes zero sense. I'm sure all of you feel the same way. And I don't know. If you like it, I mean, send me a DM and, and give me your compelling reason. But I myself am not a fan. Malcolm Brogdon, let's talk about it. Makes zero sense to me. Makes zero fucking sense to me that this guy, who did not win a single Rookie of the Month award, wins Rookie of the Year. The guy averaged 10 points over the course of the entire season. You want to give the Joel Embiid didn't play the whole season bullshit to me? You clearly didn't watch the guy. The guy is by far the best of the three players in terms of raw talent and skill, statistics, which I understand is a quick drawback to, oh, well, it's only over 37 games. Oh, Michael Brogdon played the whole season. But still, he was clearly the best. That aside, I'll, I'll concede to your bullshit games arguments, which I can't say it's bullshit enough. I, I apologize for cursing a, a lot. If you're new to hearing me talk, it's a lot of what I do. But Dario, Dario should have won. He won three Rookie of the Month awards. I believe he was hurt for a little bit of the season, but not enough to really DQ him from this sort of thing. I get he didn't start off the best at the beginning of the season, but you could still see that he had the talent there. I mean, I went to a lot of games last year, and I will go to a lot of games this year. And at the beginning of last year, you could see that there was that talent. He was just getting acclimated to being in America and playing the NBA. And I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just that he wasn't consistent at the start. And he got way more consistent. 
But uh, I, I don't know. I don't know why this guy wins it over two guys that collectively won all of the Rookie of the Month awards. That makes zero sense. That alone makes zero fucking sense to me. If you're a big Brogdon guy or you just don't like the Sixers or you just want to tell me why I'm wrong, again, DM me and let me know. Let me have it. But I really just don't agree with this. I haven't really been keeping track of the other awards. So unfortunately, you're not going to get my astounding analysis of who ultimately takes home the most valuable player award after months and months of debating it. Which, you can say what you will about when these award shows are happening. They're happening after the playoffs are over. Baseball does the same thing. They announce that shit in the middle of November. So I don't really have a problem with when this is being announced, despite them being regular season awards, and they had the votes forever. Um, but, it's again, the, the award show concept is just dumb. It's on a Monday night. The NHL awards were on a Wednesday night. Like, what the fuck? At least the ESPYs, they do... Oh, no, they do those on Wednesdays now. They used to tape it and then air it on a Sunday night like it was the Oscars. But it, why, why on a weeknight? That makes zero sense. Wednesday, I guess, it's Wednesday. But Monday? What the fuck? Come on, NBA. Let's let's figure this shit out for next year. Um, the Big Three started this week. Uh, I'm pretty excited for it. I've heard from, the, from some people that I know that went in Brooklyn that it was okay. Uh, at times it was tough to watch, a lot of missed shots. But I don't know, I'm uh, debating going when it's in Philadelphia. Um, I was really gung-ho about going, but the, the reviews from Brooklyn have got me a little concerned. Probably have to see some highlights to make a an educated decision rather than uh, just blindly buy them and go for f- apparently five hours on a Sunday afternoon. So... If you have gone, uh, let me know. Mentioning a lot of DMs and everything. For those who aren't followers of us on social media, it's Thunderblog Sports on both Facebook and Instagram. ThunderBLG is the Twitter handle. ThunderblogSports.com is the website. And I want to take a minute to talk to you guys about the Nightly Roundup, my new daily series on the Thunderblog. I uh, realized when I started doing this podcast that my actual posting on the blog itself was getting a little thin um, at points. It was a week or so in between posts. Some of that has to do with work. Some of it has to do with the podcast. Of course, this is taken over for the, the call to the pen, which if you were reading last year, that was my weekly power rankings for baseball. This kind of took over for that and really expands on it, lets us be a little more clear and concise on who we like and lets us dive in a little further. And, of course, we always really appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to all of this. Uh, but nightly roundup, basic gist, going to do a quick recap of the day that was in sports. Obviously, right now with a lot of baseball, going to focus on that. But basketball, football, hockey news that comes out. Might have a little talk about the uh, new NHL Hall of Fame class in tonight's. We'll also have the link for this on SoundCloud. Probably try to get the iTunes link as well, but uh, iTunes takes a little bit to upload for uh, to getting it synced and everything, so that might not be available. But check it out. Let me know what you think. It's obviously still a work in progress. I'm going to try to do Sunday through Thursday nights 
mainly because I know I immediately meet my degenerate friends on Friday after work, and then uh, Saturday, I don't know what I'll be doing, whether it's playing golf or out with my degenerate friends. So, and you're probably doing the same thing, so you don't have the time to read it then. But Sunday through Thursday, pretty doable. Going to try to put it out every single night around somewhere between 11 and midnight. Then uh, really share it out on social media the next morning. It'll be available, obviously. But go check it out. Let me know what you think of it. Again, thunderblogsports.com. You'll see nightly roundups readily available. I'll also be posting you know, the random posts that you've come to and love. But let's, uh, let's start wrapping things up. Look at the schedule for next week in baseball. I uh, mentioned that tonight there was a great group of games going on. The Cubs and the Nationals is one I think is a great preview for the NLCS. I know that's a big, big chalk pick, but uh, it's certainly something to keep an eye out for. Another series that's going on this week that uh, has some serious uh, implications in the American League is the Cleveland Indians in Texas. Cole Hamels actually was activated from the from the DL tonight, and it looks like he got shelled. Uh, before, when I clicked away from Chrome, it was 7-6 to six in favor of the Indians, and it's now 15-9. to nine. I'm assuming Hamels got pulled after the six runs. <coughs> but uh, that's, a, that's a big slugfest, folks. On uh, a great Indians lineup that's finally, I didn't even mention them, they're really coming together as well. They've had a lot of production out of Jose Ramirez throughout this season. Guy, I don't think Matt and I have talked about a ton, but I certainly have been paying attention to him, have him on both of my fantasy baseball teams. Uh, but that whole team really doing a great job. Another series you guys should look out for during the week, I think, is the Rockies out in San Francisco. I know I was pretty hard on the Giants coming into the week. But uh, the Rockies, it'll be interesting to see how they keep this going. They've fallen into third place. They've been pretty good on the road. So I, I would expect the, the Rockies to do pretty well. But they're also losers of five straight. So this is sort of a, a make-or-break pivot point in the season for them. You want to come in, obviously, pretty strong into the All-Star break. And this could be a big showing for it. Going into the weekend, what you should be looking out for there. Got a few different series, but the big one that you got to think is uh, the one you want to watch out for are the Yankees going down to Houston to face the Astros. Friday night, you actually get a great matchup of Michael Pineda versus Lance McCullers. Saturday, it looks like you'll have Jordan Montgomery versus Francis Marte. And Sunday afternoon, would have thought that would be the Sunday night game, would be Luis Severino versus Mike Fires. Sunday night game is actually Washington at St. Louis. That was certainly probably picked a little while ago when St. Louis was expected to be pretty good. Uh, but other ones you want to look out for, I would say Cleveland and Detroit is uh, it's going to be interesting. Cleveland certainly getting hot at the right time, at least going in, as I mentioned, into the All-Star break. Not a ton else. You got another Colorado-Arizona series. That's always pretty pivotal. Um, in division, both teams are doing pretty well. Both uh, Rockies need to rebound. Maybe they have at this point. But 
This week will be pretty good. Like I mentioned, not sure when next week's podcast is going to be recorded. Probably uh, we'll try to tweet that out. But Matt and I are grabbing dinner tomorrow, tomorrow night. And uh, we'll let you know at that point. But that's going to wrap things up here for the Thunderblog. This is Jordy Cannell. Good night, everybody.